Please open your Bibles um, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 4. Uh, Mbulele ni mbulele bao Ndini bulise nani nge kamalga Yesu Christu ngunyana gatiko Amen For those of you who are starting to Pull into your power of interpretation of tongues Don't worry, I have I have Woolies water for you. I got you. I want to greet you in the all-saving name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate him. Hang on. On this auspicious occasion. Uh, <laughs> what happens when you take Woolies water and anoint it in the church. <laughs> what a privilege to be together and to worship um, on, on this great day, Pentecost Sunday. My opinion, this is a day that should be one of the premier celebrations on the Christian calendar at least on par with Christmas and Easter, this day is the culmination of that grand plan that was put in place before the foundations of the earth were laid. This is the culmination of the, of, of the, of the plan that was enacted and, the, and the, that was activated by our very sin. That God would not just be around us would not just be close to us, but that he would be in us, that we would have oneness with him. How incredible. We have been on a journey um, over the past few weeks of getting to know, looking at, teaching, drawing closer to the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. We started by uh, looking at the question of who is the Holy Spirit, and so we looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, um, aligned ourselves with how the Bible reveals uh, who the Holy Spirit is to us. Um, we uh, had a, a celebration Sunday, some of you, or most of you hopefully will remember, we had a celebration Sunday where we looked at some of the things that God had, has been doing in our community, uh, in and through us, uh, Pastor Side did an amazing job teaching us around generosity and, and, and the celebration of the generosity of this community. Uh, we then looked at the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Today, I specifically want to look at how to live a naturally supernatural life. 
I want to give you seven keys. And, uh, and these, are, these are not, they're not a cheat sheet. They're not, they're not an easy plug-in to power. It's good that we recognize that the point is not some kind of a, 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 a work list or checkbox that we can work our way through. The goal is to get to know the person whom we call the Holy Spirit. It's also good to, uh, for us to be on the same page about this. As we press in, to, we want to know Holy Spirit, reveal more of yourself to us. Holy Spirit, fill us more. Bring personal revival. Bring corporate revival. Change our nation. All of those things. Now, it's good for us to be aware that the signs of revival, the signs that the Holy Spirit is here, are not limited to whether we fall over, or jump up, or shout, or roll around, or shake, or get healed, or break through in, some, in, in, in one of the areas that we're trusting for. None of these things are negative, but the signs of true revival are that Jesus has been revealed. Now the Holy Spirit He's majestic and he's amazing and he carries all of these amazing gifts and he distributes, Scripture tells us, to each one of us as he wills. But Scripture also shows us that one of his primary works is to reveal Jesus. So if we are going to measure personal revival, which leads to corporate revival, it's good for us to ask ourselves the question whether we're growing in revelation of Jesus Christ. Is my relationship with Jesus better today than it was a month ago? And if the answer to that is no, then I'm further from revival and not closer to. Within that scope, I want us to look at the scripture. 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. 
Amen. Now, maybe it's a little bit strange that I should choose this portion of Scripture to talk about the Holy Spirit and supernatural living. That I should choose to find a widow in a precarious situation and to suggest that there is something of the Holy Spirit that we can draw out of this. But I want to remind you and I want to give you a tip for your scripture reading. Whenever you come across oil or water in the Bible, New or Old Testament, it is often a symbolism of the Holy Spirit. So when you come across those kind of stories, I want you to allow your mind to go to that space and to ask the Lord, what can I draw out of this story about the work of the Holy Spirit and potentially for the work of the Holy Spirit in my own life? Amen. Now, I need to say this before we go forward. I want to say some hard things to you. So I want you to be aware that this is one of those occasions where I'm not going, hey, I, th- I have lived this out, I've figured it out, and now I'm telling you. I'm going, I have gone to the Lord, I have asked Him how to live supernaturally, and He's directed me. And so I'm putting this before you simultaneously, in the, and I, I'm putting it before myself. That we both have the opportunity to engage with these scriptures and then to go and to live it out. That being said, first thing I want to give you, first principle I want to give you for supernatural living is that it's not about you. It's not about you. Let's decide that right now and make peace with it. The scriptures tell us that this lady was a widow. She had lost her husband, her husband who was one of the troop of the prophets that served with Elisha. So this guy serves the Lord, gives his life to, for, uh, to the Lord and for the things of God, sacrificially so, and still dies. Not just dies, but leaves his family in debt. That is so contrary, is it not, to what we think of when we think of faithful Christianity. See, what we think of when we think of faithful Christianity is that I have no problems. I have no challenges. My my life reads like a fairy tale. And so we struggle when we read these stories or we look at our own lives and we recognize, Lord, I have served you faithfully. I have been diligent. I have modeled faith. I have served my community, but my life feels or looks or is in shambles. We tend to go back to God and to tell God, Lord, you have not kept your end of the bargain. I did my part and you have not done your part. And God would say to us, no such bargain was ever struck. We sat down, you and I contracted, we signed, you went away and you amended it. 
and now we try and hold him up too. That's so-called contract. Our lives, our purposes, even our comforts, achievements, listed, not about you. Never been. Get over yourself. It's about God. You know who's the hero of your story? Jesus. Not you. Even if you're doing some rock star things, you could be knocking it out the park in your industry, in your family, in your personal life. What, wherever you are, you're still not the hero. It's still not about you. If we can frame our thinking that way, we're starting down the path to revival. Second thing I need you to know is that you are going to have to get more desperate than you are right now. This woman goes to speak with the man of God in a state of desperation because there are creditors that are coming. And if I can't pay them, they're going to take my sons and make them slaves. So, do something. Because if you and your God don't come through for me now, I am doomed. Hey, if you have never been in that situation, if you have never uttered those words, Lord, if you don't come through for me now, I am doomed. You're not close to revival. You're not. Because it's still you. You're still in charge. You still have options. If you have never gotten to that place of realizing that whether, whether by my own choice or by circumstance, I, this is where I am. And if, Lord, you don't create a platform, I'm falling off the end of this edge. We're either going to learn this lesson or it's going to be enforced on us. Because revival must happen. It must. People must be saved. Communities must be changed. Nations must be turned around. I can position myself. Lord, I, I am going to step out into the areas that you're calling me into. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do some things and say some things that if you don't come through for me, I'm going to look like a fool. I'm going to be a laughing stock. I'm going to break the bank. But I'll do it. Why? Because you're telling me to. We're getting closer. I need you to realize, this is the third thing, that you already have the Holy Spirit within you. This woman, she goes to Elisha. Man of God, help me. I am desperate. I have nothing left. I have no other options. You need to help me. What does Elisha ask her? Uh, what do you have in your house? 
Nothing. We've had to sell the furniture, family heirlooms, precious, the, the, the jewels and the, and the rings and the earrings and, and beds and stools and, and, and kitchen table. I have nothing in my house. We've sold it all. All I have left is a small jar of oil. And Elisha goes, aha, you have everything. You have everything. And I'm going to show you why I don't care what situation you're in right now. You have everything. Watch this. Scripture teaches us that we are vessels, jars of honor, right? That The Holy Spirit inhabits. Some of us are well aware of this. And so we, we, we have created wealth. Because we have realized that the Holy, I have the Holy Spirit, He indwells me. I'm going to create room for Him. He's so welcome in my house. He fills this vessel, right? Some of us are living in a state of poverty because we, we never recognized the fact that the Holy Spirit is within us. I'm speaking to you as those who are born again. And for some of us, we may have that realization, but it's uncomfortable to, have, to live with that reality. So what do we do? We allocate him a room somewhere in the back. We lock the door. We chain it up so that he can have his way, his will. Everything can happen in there. But the rest of my house, man, that's me. So we, we get to that place of abject poverty. Because we get to, we feel desperate. And what do we do when we feel desperate? We make plans. So we start selling ourselves off and we start, we start getting rid of stuff until we have nothing left. And then we go to the feet of, of Jesus. We, we go to the pastor. We throw ourselves at the altar. We say, I have nothing. I have been stripped of pride and ego and comforts and dignity. I have been stripped of possessions and every, I have nothing. God says, what do you have in your house? I mean, I have a little bit of the Holy Spirit, but, but basically it's nothing. I need, I need more. I need more. I need an inpouring. I need, Lord, give me something else because whatever you gave me before, man, it's not working. But the moment that the widow grew in her awareness of the oil that was in her house was the beginning of breakthrough. Because when she engaged the fact that there is a little bit of oil in my house, revival. Revival. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, regardless of the situation that you find yourself in, regardless of how desperate you feel, I need you to recognize that you have the Holy Spirit within you. And that realization is the beginning of your breakthrough. Now, here's a hard truth. Your victory, your empowering, your revival is going to happen within the context of community. It is not going to happen in isolation. You know what is going to happen in isolation? Defeat. Hopelessness. Darkness. That's what's going to happen in isolation. But within community, 
there is support, there is faith. See, sometimes you think we're just filling the time on the program when we talk about connect group. You think it's just another thing, another, another church word. It's not. We talk about it, we beat that drum because we know what it means for you. We know the personal victory that it holds for you. We know why it is important for you to be in that space and what happens when you're not. You're not going to win in isolation. It's simply not going to happen. But when you embrace community, you're further down the road. So Elisha says to her, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Notice, if you will, that the widow didn't respond to Elijah by going, Yo, do you realize what this is going to do for my reputation? You're asking me to go to my neighbors and to, and to ask. Hey, Johannesburg. We don't, <laughs> we don't ask. We may make pitches. We, we, may, we may transact. We may negotiate. We, we, may, we may loan. We don't, but ask. You're asking me to let people in. You're asking me to, for, to, for people to know that my house is empty, my vessel, that, that my soul is desolate. You're asking for me to be naked before people. Ah. Some of us would rather not have victory than to, to be exposed like that. Ah, it's fine. We'll push that quarter oil. We'll see where it takes us. But she goes, all right. And she goes and she asks her neighbors. And she collects as many jars as is possible. Because you see, for us to see the flow of the Spirit, we're going to need many jars. We're going to need many empty vessels. So you're going to have to bring your jar. And you're going to have to bring your jar. And I'm going to have to bring my jar. And our Jars have to be empty because the emptier we are and the more we are, the more the Spirit flows. Do we want revival? Do we want victory? Do we want, do we want revelation of who Jesus Christ is and for Him to move and have His will and His way in our communities? Empty yourself as a vessel and come together and stop stepping back. Get over yourself. It's never been about you. Something is going to be required of you. Beyond coming to church, by the way. You're not done. Is that a check, check, check into church, you know? Did my bit. Beyond coming to church, something is going to be required of you. You're going to have to partner. Beyond taking, making some notes that, that you find after three months and you forgot even what the context of those notes was. Beyond a shout out and some post on Facebook. 
beyond tagging each other and all, something is going to be required of you. You're going to have to partner in your very own victory. Imagine that. So, so the widow gathers the jars. Again, I want you to notice something. The task that the prophet gave to the widow was problematic. Mathematically, it was problematic. Little bit of oil, many jars. How's this going to work out? That's not your business. That's not your problem to figure out. Your business is obedience. Lord, little bit of money, lots of dreams. Lord, little bit of energy, lots of call. Lord, little bit of faith, lots of healing needed. Lord, little, whatever that little bit of thing is for you, that's not your business to figure out how you're going to multiply it. Your business is to gather some jars. That's what you're called to do. Gather some jars. Empty yourself. And when you've emptied yourself, bring people around you who are some empty jars. Because empty jars can be filled. But when we come together with people who are so-called jars, but they're not empty. They're filled with stuff. God can't fill a full jar. God can't fill you if you come to Him full. Empty yourself of the things that are preventing you from receiving from His love. Some of you will need to empty yourself of pride and ego and unforgiveness and bitterness and fear. You'll have to empty yourself of these things because they're stopping you from being filled. So you are going to be required to do something. Some of you are going to have to step out immediately after the service and engage some people. Let me try. The extent to which you are used is directly proportional to the extent to which you are available. It's as cut and dry as that. Pray up a storm. Trust me, let's pray. Fast up a storm. Let's do all of these things. But I tell you what, your neighborhood is not going to be changed because you sat in your room and fasted. Fasting is awesome. It's good for your community and for you. But get out of your house. It's going to require you to make yourself available. Sometimes that looks like how we plan our day. Am I, do, I have, do I have God's pockets, God's spots within my day, within my calendar? Where am I moving from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing? I get to the end of the day and I crash. Or am I looking to be used by the Holy Spirit? And get this. When you get to that place of, thanks Lord, I'm enough. That's as much as you're going to get. When the jars were full, that's when the oil stopped flowing. So if you are not full, if you have not yet drunk enough, if, you are, if you're still hungry, you're still thirsty for him, he will continue to flow. Last thing I want to say to you, it's the seventh principle. You're filled for purpose. 
receiving a touch from the Lord, receiving an impartation, receiving a gift, receiving a vision, receiving some kind of an an infilling is not just, we're not just doing a moment. It's not theater. It's not performance. It's for purpose. If we're coming and we're asking the Lord to fill us every week and we're going and we're living normal lives, then it's theater. We have to be filled for purpose. Fill me so that I can do something. The reason I'm coming back to ask you to fill me again is because whatever you filled me with, I poured it out. I poured it out. I did stuff. I blessed people. I prayed for them. I preached the gospel. I served them. I was out there pouring myself out. That's why I'm back here asking you to fill me. But sometimes we, we're coming back week in, week out. We're full, but we're asking for filling. Oh, Lord, it's so awesome to overflow. You're not overflowing, you're just full. Oh, and you're full of the old things, and I have some new things to give you, and I can't fit it into your jam-packed soul. You're filled for purpose. The, the, the prophet says to her, sell some of this oil. By the way, he doesn't say, you know, she comes, man, all the jars are full. It was amazing. It worked. I had this much oil, and I kept pouring, and I poured, and I poured, and it was amazing. It was supernatural. I just want to give a shout out and a testimony. You know, God is good, and, you know, look at me. And, and, and he didn't go, the prophet didn't go, well done. Let's just, like, um, rub that spiritual pride a little bit. He went, right, purpose. Go sell some of this oil. And keep the rest for you, for you and your family. So you're filled for you and for your family and for your community. Your community must benefit from the filling that you receive of the Holy Spirit.